We all, to one degree or another, know that feeling when we mess up, do something wrong, or hurt somebody with our words or actions. We feel, underneath the sense of guilt, a desire to make things right, that something must be said or done by us that fixes the situation. In many cases, in most cases, that is a natural and understandable feeling that we want to act upon. It leads to some sort of restored condition. We never want to squash being humble or appropriately taking ownership of our attitudes, our words, and our actions. Yet, there is something of this kind of thinking that slinks its way into our understanding of a relationship with God. We recognize that we have lived or are living a life that rejects or ignores God. And that this sort of rejection or ignoring shows up in the what's and the how's of how we live. And that we know on some level that it is not right. The Bible calls this sin, but we know that feeling underneath the sense of guilt. When our hearts recognize it, we want to act upon it. And we many times think we need to make things right with God. So this leads us then to a spiritual counting calories, if you will, or counting spiritual calories. Counting calories is a way some of us manage our health or our diet, or if we want to lose weight, we log everything we eat on some app on our phone, um, and, and monitoring the amount and the what kind of calories we are eating, seeking to stay within the boundaries of that diet so that we can achieve our goals. It can be effective when losing weight. It's disastrous when it comes to a relationship with God. What makes us right with God is not found in us or done by us. We can't do what is needed or figure out the spiritual math that makes us right. What makes us right with God is found outside of us and done by someone not us. What makes us right with God is found in Christ. That impulse we feel when we mess up, God graciously interrupts our thought process with the gospel. And instead of us declaring we need to make it right, he says, and I will make it right. And he does so through his son, Jesus. And it's only being found in Jesus can we be right with God. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. The Apostle Paul, writing about an experience that he had, coming to light and understanding all that God has done in Christ and why that is worth everything, his life, his faith, his trust, his hope, all of it. He says these words. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, and get this, and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Our encouragement, our charge tonight is that we would be found in Christ. That we'd look nowhere else but to Christ through faith. And for those of us who have looked nowhere else but to Christ through faith, I pray and hope that we would be greatly encouraged to look yet once more. To be found in him means a number of things for us to wrestle with tonight. To be found in him means to have faith in his life. To have faith in his life. And to be found in him means to have faith in his death. That in Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection, which we will celebrate on Sunday, are the means by which God makes us right with him. He interrupts human history, bringing the good news of how he makes us right. And so the, the aim and the charge for us tonight is to have faith. To have faith in Christ, in his life and in his death. To have faith in his life means we have faith that Christ has He has what he gives. He has what he gives. The idea of righteousness is an interesting idea. It means always rightness, both in being and in doing. Always rightness. Always. Jesus, in his incarnation, entered into our world and into our humanity to live a life that we could not live. Jesus entered in to live an always rightness life in his being and in his doing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 says, He, Jesus, committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. 1 John says, You know that he, Jesus, appeared in order to take away sins, and in him, Jesus, there is no sin. In Romans 1, 16 and 17, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Jesus lived the life that we could not live. To be found in him means you put your faith in the life that he lived for you, in his always rightness in being and doing. 
It also means that when we look to Christ and we see this right life in our place, we recognize that Jesus didn't come simply to give us an example. Jesus didn't arrive on the scene to show us how it's done and then say, this is how you are to do it. Jesus didn't show up and say with his life, do this and live. No, when we see the whole story of Christ, we see that he shows up with his life and he says, take this and you will live. He didn't come to give us an example of how we can get right, but actually to bring about that rightness to us. And that when we receive it through faith, we are right with God. The impulse we have to make things right. To let that dominate our thoughts. Especially in a relationship with God. Will never be assured by our trying to make things right. It will only be assured by the righteousness of Christ. That is counted as ours. Take this. And live. Jesus didn't come to give us an example. But Jesus did come to give us what we could never achieve. To be found in him means we put our trust on who Christ is and the life he lived in our place. Theologians like to use the expression substitutionary atonement to talk about the cross. That Christ substituted his life in our place on the cross, and in so doing, he redeems us from our sin. He atones for our sins. He makes the payment necessary for our sins. It's a good thing to be thinking about, and we'll certainly think more about it as our Good Friday service continues. But I also want us to think about his substitutionary living. He lived the life that we could not live. And the life that he laid down on the cross was a perfect one. Fully resourced to pay all that we owed. To be found in him means faith in his life. To see that our right standing with God is Jesus' righteousness counted as our own. Staggering. Jesus' Righteousness counted as ours. Have faith in his life. And then what feels even more poignant, faith in his death. As we remember that, especially on a Good Friday service. That Christ takes what we deserve. It's an important lesson for us to come to grips with every time we come across it in God's word. We can never overcome the penalty of our sin by trying harder. Jesus took the penalty of our sin and he paid it in full. In full measure. So full that there is nothing left for us to pay. He paid it all. First Peter chapter 2. Once again it says. 
He, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Or the author of Philippians says in a different letter that he wrote, Galatians 3. Christ redeems us from the curse of the law by by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Or maybe these words have already popped into your mind. 1 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. It's the most incredible moment in all of history. That which occurs on the cross. Jesus takes our unrighteousness as if it were his. And gives us his righteousness as if it were ours. At the cross, the greatest transaction in history is fulfilled. Where justice is satisfied and grace is abounding. And when we look at the cross, it looks like loss. But really, what looks like loss is gain. What looks like defeat is victory. What looks like darkness is light. Because in Jesus' death comes the good news of the death of death. Of the penalty of our sin. Jesus took our penalty, paid it in full. Jesus takes our unrighteousness as if it were his and gives us his righteousness as if it were ours. And Jesus' death displays the depth of God's love for sinners such as us. To be found in him means we put our trust in Christ's death in our place, paying the penalty and breaking the power of sin. But don't mistake that work that Jesus did as some sort of obligation. Jesus didn't die to fulfill a memo sent out from a heavenly administrator. He took all that on to lovingly save his people. His death is our death, just as his life is our life. And because he rose again, his resurrection is our resurrection there's nowhere else to be found than to be found in him because nowhere else can give what only jesus has to give no one else nothing else no system of belief no other religion no other little g god can give what only christ has to give perfect righteousness and full payment for all of our unrighteousness no one nothing nowhere has that only christ does he has it in full measure he has it abounding he does not diminish he does not run out the interest rate does not change he has it in full there's nowhere else to look but to the one who has paid it all. So to be found in him means faith in his life, faith in his death, faith in the resurrection. That all that Jesus secured for us indeed was validated. And as we think about that found in him, it does some things in our lives and in our hearts now even. 
to be found in him brings hope. It brings hope in the midst of our days now, in the midst of adversity. We might be sitting here tonight facing all sorts of challenges and adversity. Some of those challenges and adversity are the things that are happening inside our heads or inside of our hearts. They're happening on the inside. And we wrestle with them daily. Maybe it's struggles or maybe it's pain. Maybe it's wounds. Maybe it's sin. Whatever it might be, we're sitting here and we have adversity and we brought it in with us. Is there any hope in the midst of this adverse day that we are facing? Is there any hope that I can have right now? To be found in him brings everlasting hope in the midst of adverse days. And some of the challenges or adversity we face are the things that are happening around us in a broken world or with broken people. And we look either within or around and we find ourselves struggling to have a sense of hope. And so to be found in him means we remind and we rehearse to our hearts that to be found in him is to be in the most secure place in all of creation. That there isn't anything more secure, more safe than to be found in Jesus. Jesus lived perfectly for us. Jesus defeated death and he displayed this victory over death in the resurrection. If death can't defeat Jesus, then no adversity we face within or around can defeat Jesus. Nothing can top that or beat that. And to be found in him is to be in the safest, most secure place in the heavens and the earth. It also means to be found in him is to be in the sweetest place. We live in a harsh world. You can't look at your smartphone or open up your computer or turn on your televisions without the harshness beaming at you loudly. Or the harshness that you experience in relationships or people or situations all around you. But to be found in Jesus, it's not only the safest place, but it's the sweetest place. Because Jesus invites us into the most blessed of places where God and man dwell together. Because he's given to us his righteousness, his right standing, if you will. We enter into this sweet place because Christ has given us his credentials to do so. We are not given scraps when we are given his righteousness. There's no greater joy that you can fix your head and heart on than the glory of God through the gospel of Jesus. And we have that. And so to be found in him is to be in a secure place and in the sweetest of places. And to be found in him is relevant in our lives today, right now, in the midst of anything and everything we face, because it is the most strengthening place to be found. It's the securest it's the sweetest, and it's the most strengthening place. Because his power, displayed at the resurrection, is the same power that is at work in his people, in your life, in your heart. The power that rose Christ from the dead is the same power that made you alive and is strengthening you even right now, this very moment. 
The power of his resurrection is the same power at work in your life. We can know this when we're found in him. The world offers you a lot of places to be found in. It even offers you a way to redefine those places whenever your heart and head changes. The world offers so much to you. And all of it will be somewhat empty. All of it will let you down in some measure. Because all of it can't offer you what only Christ has to give. And so I would implore you to be found in him. And the step to be found in him is to trust that Jesus lived the life that you could not live. That Jesus died the death that you deserved. That Jesus overcame the enemies of your soul. Sin, death, Satan. Now he rose again. That he is right now, right now, reigning and ruling over all things. That he is right now praying for you. Right now. And that one day he will return. Return. To make all things right. So be found in him. And for those of you who are, I pray that you would be encouraged all the more, strengthened in your hearts to know that what you have when you are found in Christ is safe, it's sweet, and it's strengthening for your soul. So, so put it before your head, put it before your heart with great regularity. Read about it. Think about it. Pray about it. Talk about it. There's nothing better. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to better know and understand all that you have done for us in Christ, all that Christ has secured for us, all that Christ has given to us, all that Christ has taken for us, that it would lead our hearts to respond in faith and worship and joy and hope that we would leave here tonight eager to live in light of all that we have received. God, I pray for the hearts that are weary or wounded or just wandering a little in, their, in this world, in this life. And I pray that you would draw them in, strengthen them and comfort them and nourish them with all that you have supplied through the gospel by means of your grace. Spirit, we pray that you would Turn on the spotlight of the gospel into our hearts and lives. Help us to see the goodness and the glory and the grace of what Christ has secured. That would be timely encouragement for us. And anyone who's with us tonight that is far from you, or have hearts that are hardened, have experienced a lot of heartache and hardship in this life and have a hard time trusting God, would you draw near? Would you make known and make clear the full scope of your grace through this good news of Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection? This we ask in Christ's name. Amen.